What does it actually mean to be honest? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> thanks for thanks for holding the fort down, man. It's uh I left you hanging for a couple of episodes and had a lot going on in our lives, so appreciate that. Yeah, uh, hey, I'm happy to do it considering everything. You you know, you've come out strong on the other end. Here you are, here you are. So, <laughs> yeah. We uh we we finally got through the wedding. We also did a family reunion which turned out great. And I I just for just a second, Brandon, before we go any further, I just want to say thank you. I know a lot of people listen that, that listen to this podcast are also people who support me in other ways, family, friends, even even potential clients that show up and you know, I just want to express a heartfelt piece of gratitude to every single person that came and made Madison's wedding day a special thing. Um it I'm not one who's typically really sentimental with things. And I'm not one who would say that I always get wrapped up in the connection part of things as much as we teach it. But we had people showing up from 10 hours away from four hours away. I had people showing up in a small town of Logan, Utah, that might have to answer questions as to how they know me. And um, just to say hello and have a two minute conversation and let them let me know that you know, my daughter and I were, my family are cared about. So I just want to say thank you to everyone, everyone who listens, who knows me and just uh, the way you show up really does matter. So thank you. Oh, Tyler, you're, you're giving a speech like you won an Oscar. Your, your, your <laughs> daughter just got married. <laughs> I just, just got <laughs> I just want to express some gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I want to add too. like, I, you know, we cross pollinate a little bit with our retreats. So I get to know some of your clients and people and stuff. And that was one of the surprises for me at Maddie's wedding was how many people were rolling in that I knew. Um, and I was, I thought it was so awesome that they'd come and support and it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, you gotta be careful with your boundaries with your clients, though. I, just want to say. <laughs> I, I know, man. I know. We, in fact, we gotta really put that on the tab B for another episode at some point. As what what constitutes good therapy when it's right on the edge of your ethics? So <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be your supervisor. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, but yeah, people are good. Lo- love good people out there giving good support. So. Um, yeah. Should we dive in? Let's do it. Um, so I have a theory and, and uh, I'd love your take on kind of my theory here. Um, my theory is that all suffering and major um, problems that destroy the foundations of relationships are caused because of dishonesty. Okay. Um, that if that that if two people strive to be the most authentic, honest that they possibly can be, their relationship will get more and more solid. 
um, because they'll actually know each other. They'll actually respect each other. They'll actually, there's two sides to that coin. There's the, here I am. Um, and it feels good to be able to be seen. Um, but it also feels good to be in a relationship with somebody who's willing to be seen. Um, and so what, what, what I want to break down today is I think there's a lot of subtle ways, subtleties to dishonesty. And we see it um, with addiction, obviously, uh, denial and dishonesty comes in. But I'd like to just go through um, several different ways that we are dishonest and why we are dishonest in our relationships and how we can show up differently. That sounds good. I, I want to maybe a couple of things. The first thing is I'm thinking about just your original statement that it will make your relationship better, I would say, with a caveat, if your value systems are in good enough alignment. Um, but if you have two people with two people with completely different value systems and you get complete honesty, there's a very good chance that you'll be sifting through that relationship instead of holding on to it. Well, but uh, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is to me, that's making your relationship better. Even, even if it leads to, we're not in a romantic relationship anymore or whatever, it's making the relationship better. Because if you're, if you're in that relationship as a dishonest person, then you're causing each other suffering and you're being asked to sacrifice you and your integrity for the relationship. Um, so the relationship might go through some changes that could be difficult and challenging, but that honesty is actually progressing that relationship in the right direction. Even if that relationship means that I need to move somebody out of an inner circle and further up the ladder because I, because it's not producing what it needs to be producing. Right. So yeah. I, okay. I a hundred percent agree. See what I'm saying? We both, we both agree that, that, deeper transparency and honesty in a relationship is the best course of action. Even if that means the movement of some of those relationships to, to further out places in terms of how much I invest there. Um, Good. So, yeah. So let's, before we get into all of the different kinds of ways that we're dishonest, I think this is a good topic, Brandon, because you hear this all the time in recovery being like shoved down your throat, right? Like honesty, honesty, transparency, openness, and a lot of people, I think, misunderstand that because they get so hyper-focused on just the honesty about my problem target behavior. And as long as I'm honest that I had a relapse, then that means I'm an honest person. Yep. And that's that's actually not what we're going to be talking about today. Well, and that that actually can be, a this, this is, sounds backwards, that can lead to dishonest behaviors. So in trying to be way too honest, you can be being dishonest. And it's, you know, like Tyler, how many times have you seen somebody with scrupulosity or um, who, who's tattletailing on themselves all the time to their partner uh, because they're worried that they might be doing something wrong. So let me disclose everything I possibly can because I'm committed to being an honest person. And they're doing it out of anxiety and they're doing it out of fear, fear compulsion. Right? Yeah. And and that fear isn't their groundedness. That's not their center. It's not their intuition. Uh, they're not showing up authentically. They're showing up to mitigate and deal with that fear. And they're actually using their partner 
um, as, as a pawn in the whole game of the scrupulosity, um, that's dishonest behavior. And how's the partner going to feel? Yeah. That, so, so let's back up a little bit just to make sure people understand scrupulosity. We've done some episodes on that, but scrupulosity is where you use almost like a, a deep sense of self-criticism often based off of your spiritual perspectives and spiritual beliefs where you kind of, it's almost like a form of OCD. That's a spiritual form of OCD where you're, you have a little thought and you think you're the worst person in the world and you just had a massive relapse. And then you criticize yourself and you're never going to be good enough and you're unworthy or like that kind of a thing. So not just with scrupulosity, but in other ways, Brannon, like what the honesty we're talking about today is more fully encompassing of the way of being of myself rather than just, did I proactively tell somebody that I did something bad? Well, that's, that's part of it, but that's yeah, like, I, that's not necessarily what we're talking about today. I think we need to drive. I love your, that you're making this point, Tyler, because we need to drive it home because I think, I think there's dimensions to honesty and one dimensional honesty is about disclosure. It's about, yeah, I, I told you this thing. I didn't tell you that thing. I, that's just one, that's, that's the just first layer of honesty. And a lot of times people use that layer to avoid that deeper levels of honesty and authenticity in a relationship. Um, and so, yeah, honesty is not just about, did, did I disclose something or did I not disclose something? Yeah. Even, even the disclosing of something, if it's, it's going to be more effective for the long term if it's tied to an understanding of core principles. So it becomes a practice of the principle rather than just a tattling on self. Right. Yeah. Like I, l- let me give an example, Tyler. Um, and I had, I had a client who had to look down in public because his spouse did not want him to look up in public to see other, I've talked about this before, but to see other females. Right. Um, and so he went out in public with her a few times and looked down the whole time. So he couldn't see other people. You know, he, I guess he just looked at his feet. Um, I think he looked up once or twice and noticed a, a beautiful person and then quickly disclosed to her that he had done that. Okay. Um, is he an honest man? It depends. Well, it depends on what's underneath that. Um, but Tyler, really like, I don't, I don't think so. What I think he's not being honest in the sense that he's trying to, pacify his wife by being somebody who he has actually not that sounds dishonest to me (laughs) (laughs) but again Um, i'm 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 inferring that that's kind of who he's not really that way that he wouldn't necessarily consider it actually healthy for himself to walk around with his feet pasted on the floor all day right to looking at his feet all day without right so um so, from, you know, compliance is not honesty. Is that what you're saying? It Compliance is not honesty because the nature of compliance, which is one form of denial, is that my heart's not actually engaged in the thing that I'm doing. I'm doing that thing to either get somebody off my back or to look a certain way to other people. The, the partners of like really compliant um, people it's are put in a really, really tough position because 
on one hand, they're asking their partner to do certain things and they're going along and they're doing all of these things. And the world's looking at it and saying, wow, like your spouse is so amazing that, you know, they're so kind. Um, they're so humble. Look what they'll do everything you want them to do. And the, the spouse, how does the spouse feel? This, you're talking about the compliant spouse or the one who's yeah the, yeah the spouse of the compliant person oh yeah the, it's it's so funny that you bring that up because and this is a tricky one with compliance so one form of denial of one form of being dishonest is compliance right and a lot of times there's a two-sided coin to this which is the person who's in the relationship with the compliant person actually gets really frustrated because it feels like they have to continually be in charge. They have to be in the one-up position. They have to demand certain things. Um, it's a, a way of maybe trying to stay in control too. But then they also will come into like our office, they'll come into my office and be like, I just want my partner to have an opinion. I want my partner yeah. to actually make their own choices. I want to have, I want to have something to push against in the relationship and there's never anything to push against. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Fear is at the basis of dishonesty. And so that if your partner's compliant, they're acting in fear all the time. Um, they're, they have become a figment of what they think you want. And the spouse feels crazy. They feel like nobody understands what it's like to be married to somebody who doesn't have a backbone, who doesn't have a truth. Um, they, they feel manipulated all the time. Um, and, and But nobody would understand why they feel manipulated because... There's on the outside, all they see is this like amazing, he, there you're doing everything you want him to do. That complier is dishonest. And that complier is scared of some truth and some conflict in the relationship. And that complier lacks strength um, to step into a real relationship. Um, and so... Yeah, that's one form of dishonesty that's really tricky. And, you know, Tyler, we talk about Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Nice Guy is like a guy who's a complier, right? Yeah. Um, th that's that form of, of dishonesty. So. Yeah, something before we move on from this, and I think maybe, Brandon, what we do is we'll just go through a couple of other different forms of dishonesty and talk about them the way we're doing right now. But I do want to say this, that it can be it, it can be a hard thing to climb out of in a relationship. Because the person who's complying still hasn't found a reason or an understanding or had an emotional experience with themselves to actually feel like they can and should be authentic. And at the same time, the partner who's so frustrated by the compliance, a lot of times also sort of like unknowingly perpetuates the yes. compliance as a form All of control. Because, you know, like the minute, the minute I decide to have a voice, let's say I'm the complier, the minute I decide to have a voice and we decide where we're going to eat tonight. And my wife says, Tyler, you choose where we eat tonight. And I'm like, well, I, I'll go wherever you want. I'm, I'm happy with whatever, you know, and she lists off three things that I don't want. And I'm like, yeah, those are good. You know, finally, I decide, you know what, I'm going to have an opinion on where we eat tonight, because she wants me to she's asking me to and then I give her two places to eat. She goes, I don't want to eat at either one of those places. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to go, well, I'm trying to be honest with you. Those are the two places that I chose tonight. And this is terrifying to you because you right. actually stepped up and had an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then, and then my partner's like, nope, nope, nope. We're, we're going to one of the place, other places. But then, but then the very next day, they're like, how come you don't have an opinion and how come you don't stand up for yourself? Like, you know, it's like, well, 
and this is, I'm talking about a small example, but think about it on a bigger scale of like, hey, how do you actually feel about going to, out in public and putting your eyes on the floor all the time? And I have to say, you know what? I know, hey, babe, I know that that's scary for you, but 50% of the population is women. I'm trying to live with new dignity. And I think dignity means that I can go out in the world and practice seeing people as people. And it triggers her everywhere. And then and then my wife's like, oh my gosh, now you're like pushing back against me. And now you're this and that and the other. And then the very next day she'll resent me because I don't have a voice and I don't share my opinions. And and it's a really delicate dance sometimes to kind of climb out of that, but, that game of compliance. But Tyler, in a relationship, that's where, and this is a little side note, that's where empathy is honesty's best friend, where, yeah, I'll be honest with you. And I know my honest truth affects you and I care about you and I'm going to hear you. I I'm still see you. Advice. But that doesn't mean my truths are all going to change because I empathize with you. Um, but it does mean that I'm here for you. And like, and that's, that's ultimately where somebody will feel safe is I can be honest with you and I can be connected to you at the same time. I can be separate from you in some ways. I can be me authentically. I, and I can also really care deeply about you. And I can see um, you. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk, just back up a little bit with a complier a little bit. Um, and, and what I see is compliers are often anxiously attached. Um, they come with some interesting trauma. Um, a lot of times the trauma is, it can go one of two directions. It can go, they had a lot of neglect and a lack of love in their life and they're, they're searching for it and they're wanting somebody to want them and like them. And so they're complying all the time. Um, or they had a, a, an overabundance of unhealthy connection where mom and dad were using them for their own self-worth and mom and dad were saying, please us, you make it, you know, do good stuff to, to make us happy. And mom and dad can almost condition this compliance into a child, which then leads into a marriage. Yeah. Because the currency now is the performance itself that produces the That's how I get self-worth for. Right. That's how I get love. And so it's this brokenness in the relationship because a real relationship is built on authenticity on you see me, I see you. Um, it's not built on this merit-based system of earning your love. Yeah. Um, all right. Other forms of, of dishonesty, Tyler, do you have any? Yeah. Here's, here's another one this is another one that I think kind of has two edges to the sword a little bit. So. Um, it's not honest to minimize things. Minimizing is another form of denial. It's a, it's another way of like being dishonest. And yet sometimes, and maybe we can kind of tease this out a little bit. Sometimes, you know, there's a kind of this dialectic that goes on in recovery that we tell people, you probably don't want to disclose everything because it's not going to be good for the relationship at the same time that we want you to be completely honest. And a lot of times that sounds like minimizing, which is decreasing the significance or the amount of detail or the the real impact of whatever it is that I'm disclosing right now. Okay, so let me give you some examples. Let's kind of walk through this a little bit because this is more common than I think we think. Um, uh, you know, like I just, uh, if you hear words like just or only, 
you know, you're getting into some minimizing a little bit. Yeah. Tell, is this minimizing? Let's say that my spouse does something that really frustrates me, like just makes me mad. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not that big a deal. But inside you're churning. Yeah. Just like it hit on one of my truths, one of my boundaries, one of, like my resentment is just starting to just pile up inside of me. It's fine. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. Is that minimizing? Yes. Aren't I being a kind spouse? Yes. And this is where it's hard because you, there's a different way to be honest with that and still maybe get, take some time to, because because if it's my issue, let's say my wife says something and it hits my nerves that I need to take care of in myself, sure. I don't necessarily need to place it on her to do that work. At the same time, I'm not being honest if I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I, I that's the that's a classic when you come home and you, something's off at home and you go and you try to give your wife a hug or something. And, you know, how are you doing? Fine. Cold shoulder. Cold shoulder. Fine. <laughs> it's yeah, not a big deal. I'm fine. It's not that big a deal. But then it's like, it's you like, know, it's you a big deal. Feel the big deal. <laughs> you can feel the big deal, even though you're getting the words that it's not that big of a deal. And that's, that's minimizing, which is yeah. not a form of honesty. Yeah. And being, being a little bit more honest with something where she might say, actually, I'm feeling a, a really, really frustrated with you. And I realize some of this is my stuff I got to work through. So give me a minute. That's a lot more honest then nope, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Not that big a deal. Yep. Yep. Um, but we can also minimize things in other ways, right? Like we can, so we can minimize our emotional response. We can act like we're not that emotional when we're, when we are, um, we can minimize the significance of things that have happened. Yes. Um, And this is kind of back to the one dimensional thing of disclosure, but it can happen right there. The minimization can, right. Um, well, I only did this, like, I, I only, I only like drove past the, the strip club. I mean, I happened to go in for two hours and have five drinks, but I only drove past the strip club. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, we see crap like that all the time. Minimizing big time, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we see that type of minimization a lot. Yeah. So, or, or it's like, it's another form of denial that goes with minimizing called comparing, which is, well, you shouldn't be so upset at me right now because I only did this, this, and this when, in, when other people do this, this, and this, that's a lot bigger, right? Or yeah, only, yeah. it only happened just this one time yeah, or, yeah. you know, and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we're trying to, in a certain way, manipulate somebody else's feelings proactively, you know it's like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna disclose this in this way to my wife so that i can avoid whatever potential emotional response she might be giving to me and it's actually kind of a selfish thing we're doing it more in a form of self-preservation than than from a place of like strength and honesty every bit of manipulation is dishonest so and and every most manipulation is comes from a place of self-preservation and I think it, it's really healthy to know your shadow and it's really he- healthy to get to know how you, how you self-preserve, right? So like I'll notice things with my wife and I'll automatically start doing like just subtly, I'll start turning the tables a little bit, um, you know, I'll start deflecting or whatever because she's a reflector to me. 
And so she's reflecting back some things that are making me look at me. And then I'm like, well, I'm turn I'm doing all these things. Um, just last week I was talking to my wife and, and, uh, she, there was an issue. It wasn't a big issue, but she kind of started turning the tables. And what that means is like, there's an issue at hand and she knows it's kind of coming to her, you know, to look at something about her and immediately starts ta attacking me, like yeah. telling me about, well, where, where I'm wrong. You did this I, and you did this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, why do you do this? And she stopped and she's like, you know what? Like, I just selfishly wanted to do that. That's what I wanted to do. And that's why I did it. And I'm sorry. That's awesome. And you know what happened? It's like, I totally forgive you. Like I end of discussion, like we're good. Like all she had to do is honest up, like get honest. And it's like, we can deal with it now. But when that turn of the table starts to happen and then I'm trying to prove to her that this is what actually happened and let's get back on the topic at hand. And she's like, throwing it back at me and seeing how horrible we get nowhere because we're not on any bit of reality or we're not operating in truth. So you'll spin and spin and spin in a relationship until some honesty shows up. It's interesting too. If we look at it from that attachment lens, you're talking about that, that any of these forms that we're going to be talking about and that we are talking about, if you look at it from an attachment lens, it's this weird thing where we've talked about this on past episodes, but the best relationships are ones where we need attachment and we need to maintain our authenticity. And in most cases, most people will sacrifice their own authenticity in order to try to save the perceived attachment when things get strained. Mm -hmm. And, and so in your example, it's like, at least we can have a non-vulnerable form of connection holding on to each other. If, I can blame her and she can blame me and we can continue around in this circle. Right. 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 It's like we we're still trying to hold on to attachment, even though we're doing it in a really unhealthy way that doesn't produce what we're actually looking for in the long run, but it has the feeling because now at least we're engaged with each other fighting or feeling with each other. Yep. Yep. That's it. Um, I got another one. Do you have a, do you have another yeah, one? I've got a couple more, but go ahead. Uh, playing the victim. <laughs> okay. How is that tied to honesty? Well, uh, now there, I, I do want to acknowledge there is a real thing as being a victim of something. You know, I can be a victim yeah. of a crime or a victim of a car accident or something. Um, but playing the victim is when you try to position yourself um, in a spot where you get, you get power in the relationship by getting the other person to feel sorry or bad for you. And it happens all the time. Um, woe is me. Um, I have to deal with this. And what it does is it, it, it's dishonest because you're trying to get some power from the other person rather than stepping into your own empowerment. And, um, and we talk about it all the time, Tyler, our podcast, one of the major kind of themes of what we go into with our guests is that right where we try to get people out of that dishonest place of playing a victim and into that empowered place of what reality is in terms of moving forward yeah you know brennan it's interesting we so often in recovery one of the places where people get stuck is that maybe they get through the first initial sort of trauma of the disclosure they start working their own recoveries but eventually the relationship comes to that place where 
in order to survive, there, there are patterns of, you know, power and control that have been established inside the relationship that now have to be let go of. And one of the ways that that power and control shows up is by being the victim. So if I come home every single day and I'm still, I've just had a horrible day and my partner has to show up for me and be like, I'm so sorry you had a horrible day. And I, you know, it's probably still my fault and I'm so sorry about that. And this and that and the other, it, it maintains a sense of status quo in the relationship, but it doesn't allow for the actual individual or relational growth that people want in their relationships. Yeah. And that's why it's dishonest because now I'm still waiting for my partner to always be my answer. And in doing so, I'm maintaining power and control in the relationship by giving up my actual power. Yep. And, yep. and so I have to actually take accountability for the fact that I need to be the one responsible to climb out of the hole of my victimhood. Even if I have been victimized, it's on me to actually do the work to climb out of it. Even though it's not fair, even though it's not right, I'm giving up my power by trying to keep power and control in the relationship by being the victim. Yep. Yep. That's it. You know, it's interesting, Tyler. Dishonesty preserves bad relationships. And so another way to say that is honesty destroys bad relationships. Yes. Um, and, and so that, that's an interesting thing to think about. If you think about it, if I can get in a relationship where, let's say you play the victim a lot and I play the victim a lot or I persecute all the time or caretake for you, like I'm a really good caretaker for your victim, then we can be in this really unhealthy, nasty relationship for a long, long time. But if you're playing the victim and I don't caretake for you and I don't persecute you and you want to keep playing that victim, eventually I'm going to start being honest with you about my boundaries and what I need and and that could very well destroy that relationship, um, destroy that toxic relationship. Exactly. Now, to clarify what you're saying, it's also an invitation into creating a new relationship, too. Honesty is. Yes. Right? So, so honesty is. I might destroy a certain relationship with a person while still inviting a new relationship with the same person. Yes. Good point. Just, just by being honest. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So, so honesty if it's done from an authentic place is the invitation to new ground yeah. inside of those relationships. Yep. Well, in, in general, honesty is just, it's uh, it actually makes an actual relationship possible. You can't have the relationship with somebody that you don't know. Right. And so if I'm honest and you're honest, we can have a real relationship. Yeah. So, Okay, what else do you got, Tyler? Another one. This is another form of denial or dishonesty that often kind of plagues, you know, growth inside of the individual and the relationship is uh, something called omitting. And <laughs> what omission is, is like this one is often like a really favorite one for people who have a little bit of scrupulosity or have like a really high moral code where they want to know and perceive themselves as being completely honest but they also need to not show certain things. So they figure if they don't say something or don't disclose something, or don't let something show up, they can still keep the honesty card when in reality, they're not being very honest. That's interesting, Tyler. We talked about over disclosure and now you're kind of talking about under disclosure. Yeah. And so 
the question is, is then, okay, what, what do you, as a vulnerable human being, what do you disclose? Right. Yeah. And, and I think when we talk about omission, it, it all comes down to what's behind it. Yes. If, if I'm intentionally omitting out of fear of the consequence, I'm being dishonest. If I don't need to go tell my, my spouse or you every little detail about my life. Hey, Tyler, I, I just went into the bathroom. Do you want to hear about that? I want to be an honest person. Yeah. So, right. No, thank you. I'm good, Brandon. No, like, Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to be honest. I want to be honest. I don't want to admit, omit anything. And the honest thing to do might be not saying anything about certain things because authentically, I don't feel like I need to. Like, honestly, I don't feel like I need to. Omission is about fear. It's about a, an avoidant attachment. Oftentimes we use omission a lot because I can just avoid it all, not yeah. say anything out of fear. Right. Yeah. And I, I really think it's important to drive home what you said about the omission is it takes a level of self-introspection and honesty to say, why am I omitting these things? Yeah. Right. And this is what's really tricky is this is where we can then get into other forms of denial too. But if I'm, if I'm omitting things to either preserve other people's perception of me or to manipulate their feelings and their response, that's, that's omission. That's yeah. not honest. Yeah. Right. So like, I'll give you an example of this. You got, you know, I've had an, an, a lifelong battle with the hot lamp at Maverick. You know, it's like <laughs> we've talked about this before. We have. This has come up several times, and it still continues to be an issue. But there was you a did point. introduce me to some amazing chicken fingers. I gotta say. <laughs> Those chicken fingers at Riverside. Yeah, anyone who lives close to Logan, Utah, oh, over in Tremont, and you got to hit the chicken fingers at Riverside gas station. But <laughs> life changing or addiction forming, one of the two. So, um, but. But yeah, so if I, there was a time when I was trying to work on my own, like, problem with the hot lamp, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> no, it's okay. This is, you know, this is probably several I've years ago. I've been there, brother. Hey, yeah, hey, I'm there with you, man. It I, was the kind of thing where I I set some targets and I said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go in there and buy that stuff anymore for a time being. But then I found myself doing things like stopping on the way home to fill up the gas tank, but then paying inside so that I could add hot lamp to the, the price of the gas. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I then I go home and then I go home and go Rihanna and be like, hey, how, how was your day? I'm like, oh, it was great. And then on the way home, I stopped for gas, you know. Like, oh, I see the omission. You, yeah. You hear the omission? And like, she's like, it's time for dinner. I just cooked a big meal. And you're and like, I'm like, oh, that sounds I'm, so good. I'm so hungry. Can't wait. Can't wait for dinner. Like, thank you so much. Like, that is so dishonest. That is, <laughs> that is even though even though I'm a moral guy, I'm like, I didn't lie. I'm like, I didn't lie. I stopped for gas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, but you got a corn dog like this. <laughs> but <laughs> I, got, I got a corn dog and six mini tacos, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm not going to say that. And the reason why I don't say it is because my shame is driving it and my fear of her judgment is driving it and my feeling of not being good enough is driving it. And now I perpetuated the behavior that I said I'm trying to stop. So I'm being dishonest on all, on all forms. Heaven forbid she knows that you ate a, a pizza hot pocket. Yeah, I mean, why can't why don't I go home and say, hey, I feel a little bit shameful right now, but I stopped at Maverick and I went in and <laughs> I went in and got a slice of Godfathers, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at that though. Like seriously, like 
to, to face the music. Like the reality is, is there's something deep inside of you that knows, Hey, That's this is the issue. unhealthy behavior. And your shame says, I don't want anybody to see this, especially my spouse. It's not about reporting to her and her, her managing you, but it's like, I just don't want anybody to see kind of this weird part of me, my shadow, yeah. Yeah. some things about me. And so it's easier for me to do major damage to my relationship. And it does major damage to be a dishonest person. It's Even easier. around hot lamp. Yeah, I will choose that option, the major damage to my relationship, then the feeling of, and this is where we, we all sell out a lot, the feeling of judgment or disappointment from somebody else. Hey, I got the potato wedges. Um, <laughs> you know, and she's like, seriously? And, and to just deal with that, yeah, I did. I did. The ranch dip with them was amazing. I'm going to try hard tomorrow to not do that. Yeah. Um, and, and she's like, well, I made you dinner. And you're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That deal, at least you maintain trust in that relationship. At least there's she might have disappointment because she made you a big dinner or whatever, but at least you maintain trust and didn't do that damage. Right. I would almost go as far to say you actually supported the relationship by being honest with something difficult that then builds trust in the long run. Because she knows that, hey, you can show up authentic even when it's hard. Even if she doesn't like it, it's better for her and for the relationship to have that honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, man, I, I know my hot, hot. I didn't throw in jalapeno pop. I, I was gonna say, you're, what you're trying to do right now is every time you change the example, you're going down the list of everything there, trying to get me triggered right now. <laughs> So <laughs> you're just and you're doing it in such a mocking way too. Like I love it. So yeah, I didn't mention mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are great too. By the way, so yeah. Well, hey, call me if you need you know a support person to, to avoid the relapse today. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. You'll probably be the one driving me up there and walking me in. So oh, you're in recovery now. You're doing well, right? <laughs> <laughs> some days are better than others so yeah, i'm going to laugh yeah, yeah. talk about omission let's just omit yeah. this and move on to the next topic tyler so carry we don't on talk about me carry on brandon yeah. <laughs> well you know tyler i think at the at the basis of this and to kind of wrap this up there's all many crazy different forms of dishonesty and we could we could put words to them but it does come back to what we were saying. It's about being in a state of shame or fear and then trying to manipulate how other people see you. And you can, be, you can even be dishonest with yourself a lot. Totally. And it's so healthy to be honest with yourself because that leads to self-compassion versus you can't, when you're dishonest with yourself, you're banking shame. You're creating this feeling of dragging you down of like, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. I'm not okay. Um, Carl Jung, you know, he, he was the, he would talk a lot about knowing your shadow and getting to know your, uh, getting to know yourself on that level and knowing that we all have parts of us that are ugly, that are undisciplined, unhealthy. Uh, we all have those parts. Everybody does. And you're way more self-realized 
when you can know that about yourself, own that about yourself, and actually share that with other people. And that's that's where that feeling of strength comes of like, I can be lovable and I can be broken at the same time. Those things can coexist. And so I'm not afraid of anybody's wrath or judgment because I know that about myself. Right? I think that's the hardest part is coming to that coming to that conclusion, that belief that I am lovable, even if certain people don't love me and even if I'm not perfect. Yeah. And it's the practice of honesty that is its own form of shame resiliency. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And being willing to stand in those places and let people see me as I am. You know, I go home tonight and say, hey, I just slammed a corn dog and some mini tacos. And I feel a little bit of shame over that. And I'm so glad you made an awesome dinner. That's going to come with its own cost and price, but it won't come at the cost of my own integrity, which means I'm not feeling more shame on myself. Yep. And at yep. the end of the day, my wife needs a shame resilient man. She needs a partner who's willing to be who I am so that she can also have permission to be who she is. And we can decide to love one another inside of our continual work. Yep. Uh, our Tyler, would you say our dishonesty is kind of the doorway to the cave we fear to enter? And so what, what I mean by that is our dishonesty shows where we're most afraid. And it actually gives us a great opportunity to do some of our best work. And, and when you act opposite to that shame that's telling you to hide, you can see, oh, I'm dishonest there and I'm dishonest there. Wow, I'm really dishonest with my boss at work about what I'm willing to take on and not take on. Um, so my, some of my biggest work here is with authority figures who I feel like I'll let down. And what I need to do is go have a very honest conversation and a boundary with him. And that gives me insight into what some of my core issues are too, that there is something with authority and being seen in a certain way or performing in a certain way. And now I get a chance to be compassionate. And, understanding. I, yep. and I get an opportunity to reverse the shame because I see that I'm really dishonest there. I can see that I can go act against that shame and I can survive. I can be okay. Even if I face it, even if I sit in that truth yes. and that's the most therapeutic thing that you can do. Yes. Well said, Brandon. All right, Tyler, thank you for letting us uh, talk about your hot lamp. <laughs> you bet, you bet, man. It was actually a good discussion on honesty. I'd be really interested to kind of hear other people's takes on what we're talking about here. There's definitely some nuance to it. But um, for those of you listening, if this is beneficial or if you know someone who this would benefit, one of the ways that you can help us without costing yourself anything is just by sharing the content we produce if you like it. So thank you for being here. You guys have a great week. See you guys.